Well, good morning, everyone. We are with lightning speeding toward the end of First John. And I prophesy that we'll be finished First John by the end of this year. <laughs> Let's see if I'm a false prophet or not. This morning, we're continuing in. John's concluding comments to the church. We're not going to go over everything he said, but remember what he said in verse, nine, uh, verse 13 of chapter 5. What? Let me tell you why I'm writing this letter. And what does he say to them? I'm writing these things, what? That you may know. The word know is know the facts, know for sure. That you may know what? What should you know? John, 1 John 5, 19. I'm sorry, 1 John 5, 13. What is he saying? I'm writing these things so that you may know that you what? Have eternal life. Didn't say that you hope to have eternal life. I think you're going to have eternal life. That you absolutely right now have God's gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. I'm writing these things to you. And so in verses 15 to 19, he makes, he lists five facts that each believer should know. Five of these. Nick went over several. But then in verse 15, he says, we know for a fact that John, I'm sorry, that God what? Both hears and answers prayer. Correct? Nick dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. The assurance that as believers, we know that God both hears. And if we know that he hears our prayers, we know that what? We have the petitions which we make of him. Remember? In verse 18 last week, we said we know what? That a believer does not continue to sin. In other words, that a believer's life is not characterized continually by sinning, sinning, sinning. John doesn't say that a believer never sins, but that a believer's life is no longer imbued with the absolute overcoming reality and continuance of sin. We know that. Secondly, we know that, why? Jesus keeps us, what? Safe. He keeps us in the faith. He keeps us in the faith. And then third, because Jesus keeps us in the faith, that means that Satan cannot take us out of the hand of God, cannot touch us, as he says there, but cannot essentially take us or reincarcerate us in the cell of sin because we were all born in the cell of sin and we did not have the key with which to unlock that great bolt. Only the blood of Jesus unlocks it. So this morning, we're going to look at the last two we know statements. We're going to begin to look at them. This morning, we'll look at one of them, and next week, another one. Now, let me say this as we go ahead. There's always a balance when teaching the Word of God between teaching it efficiently. And what do I mean by that? teaching it in a way that we're moving along without 
becoming too bogged down in issues that we really don't need to become bogged down in. Does that make sense to you? That we don't go over the same thing over and over. You've already said that seven times. Can we move along? And all teachers are prone to want to do this. But there's also the balance not only between not being bogged down, but by emphasizing the same way as best we hear from the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing through the writer. So we come to verse 19. And as we see, it's a very simple verse. It's very short. And we're going to find out that John makes two radically different statements, or at least one statement that has a great contrast in it. And we've already covered all this. So it'll be easy just to read the verse. We've already covered it, Gail. You don't need it reiterated. So let's move along. Wouldn't you think that? Are you with me this morning? Why are we covering the same thing over and over again, Anthony? We've already said this. And the reason is, and I battled against this last week or this week, whenever it was that I did this first. And I'm sitting there reading and thinking and contemplating and speaking with the Lord about it too and says, you know, I think I'll just pretty quickly hit it and move along. And here's what I get from the Lord. I gave it to John at the end as a summation statement of great significance. Even though I've said the same thing through the apostles several different times already. Which means this. I want it to be emphasized. Even though Mary, uh, Anna Marie, you've heard it. Why? Because there are the basics of the faith, both positive and negative. Do you know what I mean by that? That need to continually be reemphasized. I know it. I've heard it. I've heard it. Yes. But hearing it upon hearing it upon hearing it inculcates it, gets it into our minds. So that it becomes ingrained in us and a part of our spiritual breathing part of the spiritual heartbeat of our lives. Amen. So I struggle with this to go into any detail, but here we are. So hopefully I'll get through this one verse this morning. So what does John say? We know that we are of God. How many times have we've heard that now in this verse? I mean, in this short letter. Okay. We know that. Why keep telling us? Because it's the most marvelous news we'll ever hear and should never tire. We know that we belong to God. But then the converse of that is what? And the world lies, reclines, is at ease in, is in fellowship with is at home in the evil one. That's what that means. Although it's normally said lies in the lap of the power of the evil one. The word en is locative. It means in the location of. 
the world takes its rest, its fellowship, its meaning, its activities, its thoughts, its desires, its motivations. It takes everything that it has from its father, the devil. Who said that? You are of your father, the devil. Jesus said it to the Pharisees, where? He is a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. John 8, 44, you're right, John 8, 44. So let's go through this again. John is telling us that God and, look, church, I don't want to, we've talked about this. But I don't know whether I'm correct in saying this, but I'll give you my opinion. I believe that this truth from the Holy Spirit, not from a radical, narrow-minded man, this truth from the Holy Spirit is not only one of the most significant issues that we as believers need not only to know about, but to know in our souls. But this truth, I think, is very much too minimized by too many teachers and preachers in the church today. We simply don't hear very much said from pulpits and lecterns, like there's a lectern teaching, anymore about what? The dangers of the world and the world we live in and what's happening out there and its destructiveness. Do we hear much about that? No. And yet this short letter to these people by this apostle written by the hand of the Holy Spirit through his man. And not only in this letter, but in Paul's letter and Peter's. It's over and over in the New Testament. Pounds this truth. We are living in enemy territory. Are you with me this morning? This is not to frighten us. This is not to cause us to cower in the corner. This is to cause us to stand and look at our environment. Spiritually, not naturally. Because when we look at it naturally, hey, it's not that bad. It's, it's not that bad. These movies are okay. Sure, they have a few things in them, but Floyd, they're not that bad. I enjoy it so much when I go over here to do these things. This, this is it's just fun for my children. And it, it, it can't be that bad. And do we hear ourselves making a continual natural assessment of the world? Do you hear yourself in these things? I don't know what I was doing the other night. I had something on in, I think it was the beginning of some movie or whatever. And the guy says, Jesus Christ. Now, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Who said shut it off? You are, you are narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. 
You see, because this is an issue that one believer has a different opinion than another. And I, you're right. Paul may have a different opinion than you do. The point is not what Paul's opinion is or Anna Maria's opinion. The point is what? What is God's opinion? Can you say amen? amen. Nick, come on. Introduce him. Come on, come on. That's Elizabeth. Oh, so they, they are fostering Elizabeth this morning. Is that true or is she? Okay. Oh, you're with me this morning. I want to get through this verse. But I want to do it in a way that means something to us, not just a theological thing and moving along. Let's answer, the, answer this question yourself to yourself. Now, let's be real. Let the Holy Spirit speak. Because when I ask this question, I also am convicted, Patrick. I'm not above this. I have the same discernment issues and struggles as everyone else in here. How many of us, when we go places, do things, say things, whatever, whatever the situation is, I'm not trying to categorize only one particular area. We kind of really know. This is, you know, there's some stuff in here that God would not be pleased with. How many of us know that? And yet, how many of us do this? But, come on. How many of us put a but on it? Only one person? We know this, but. My family enjoys it so much, and it, it can't be that bad. It can't be. We are warned regularly that one of the greatest dangers to a believer is making natural assessments based on how we feel, what it looks like, what it sounds like. And here's the underlying thought that we have, Gordon. It can't be that bad. It'll be okay. Come on. Are you with me this morning? Warren, are you with me on this? On time, do you hear it? Miguel, you, you, you see it? That's what brings the insidious, slimy, slyle, sly sin into our hearts. It's silently and craftily planted into our minds, into our souls, so that we begin to hear a certain word or two in language or a certain viewing of something, and we become what? Immune to it. But there is a God in heaven who is not immune to it. Are we with me today? So, here we have this statement. I wasn't going to go into great detail on this. John is telling us what, listen to how I say this, that God, may I repeat that? John is telling us what, that 
God. Will you repeat that word? That what? God has drawn a clear and distinct line between those who belong to him and those who belong to the evil one. The Holy Spirit has drawn the line. We don't have to try to figure it out. You will know it in your conscience. You will know it because the Lord will remind you of it. You will know it because someone will say something. How many parents, how many men listen to stuff on the tube that they would be embarrassed to listen to the same thing if their little children were sitting next to them? Can you say amen? Is that true? Then why are we listening? Well, we're free. It's okay. It's, don't be too radical, brother. Jesus is the one who's radical here. 1 John 3.8 For the Son of God has appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy them in us. See, John is warning us to understand that there exists a complete and stark contrast between those who are of God and those who lie in the power of the evil one. The Holy Spirit is making a decisive statement. I don't want my people to look like, sound like, think like, be motivated like, walk like, etc. The world. Shane, I didn't say any of that. Is that Peter Davidson telling you something? Paul says this by the Holy Spirit. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel with which you have, to which you have been called. He says that somewhere in, to some people, someplace. We know that we are of God. We know that. Because he has sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin so that we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sin. This is the cost to the son of God to free us from the clutches of this Satan and free us from being contaminated and polluted and corrupted by the world system. As a result, the Holy Spirit has birthed us into the kingdom of God. So God has clearly divided all humanity into two radically different groups, not even close to one another. There is an infinite separation between those who are of God and those who lie in the What word? Acceptability of the evil one. There's an infinite separation. We're not even close to that world system and those who are of it. And they're not even close to us. I'm very concerned that the church today is too much compromising, therefore, cooperating with the schemes of the devil as more and more the world accepts, as the church accepts, it's okay as a gray issue 
the activities and the theology, etc., of the world. Now, it is correct that each one of us before God has to make discernment, has to be, have discernment and make decisions about these things. And it is true and to some degree acceptable that I may see some activities in this world that I deem unbiblical and you may not agree with me. You don't see it that way. Okay. But when that happens, either on my side or yours, the answer to that is not to ignore or put down the other opinion. The answer is whether I am wrong or off-center or you are off-center. The answer is, is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about something that I need to know about? Amen? That's the answer. Rather than saying, you know, Todd Tucker is just extreme. He's narrow. He's too literal. I am not. Okay, Todd could be extreme. Well, I may be not extreme enough. But how should it be handled? With no acrimony between the two, but prayer. I, mean, I have prayed about this even the last few days. And I can tell you this, I know my views and my conception and my understanding is more narrow than many. I got that. Okay? Charles, you understand that? I understand that. And I've asked the Lord to show me, Kevin, am I being too narrow? And, of course, I am in many instances. I know that. I can't get away from being too anything of the flesh. I can't get away from it, Bex. I live in a body. And we all do. But, Nathan, what I do is this. I say, Father, show me by your spirit if I'm being too radical. Too radical, Nathan, too. There are two Nathans in here. Am I being too radical? Pharaoh, that, that's just Pastor Peter. You know how Pastor Peter is, don't you? Don't talk to him about it because he's going to let you know how he feels. Well, I am. Because I'm passionate about what I believe is the truth, Darlene. And I want you to be passionate also. And don't fall apart and back down. You think I'm wrong? Say something. But back at what? Biblically. That's all I ask. Phyllis? Basic, biblically to me. Are you with me today? Is it okay to say this? You in television land, are you okay? That's all I want. Linda, all I want you to do is show me by the word of God where I am wrong and I have been wrong. Or where I am too narrow, I have been too narrow. Or where I've gone off the road, Cliff, I have gone off the road before. Show me biblically, but then allow me to do the same for you. 
I'm sorry, but I don't, I'm not interested in wishy-washy pastors. And look, look, I know what's going to happen. I know what you're thinking. So listen to this disclaimer. I am not talking about any particular person that, you know, and then you think, yeah, get in, get in. I'm not doing that. I am talking as best I can in general terms because all of it, positively and negatively, apply to all of us to some degree. Amen? So please don't take this as a condemnation or an indictment or an approbation. You know what approbation means? Approval. You see, this means this, that there are no gray or disputable areas with God. The gray and disputable areas, the areas of I'm not quite sure about. That's what we're talking about. And there, there are things like that in the Word. I'm not sure about certain things. So they're gray and disputable areas that I may see one way and Anna Chatelaine sees another way. But with God, that ain't existing. And the need that we have is to hear from the Holy Spirit. See, God has made us his distinct people whose character and practice are to clearly, continually, constantly, compellingly manifest his distinctive character through our practices. Are we, are we, we, do we get that? That's where we are in the world. Do you remember how we got here? I mean, do you remember how the world came to be lying in the lap? Do you understand now what I mean by lying in the lap? Cuddling up to, cozy, being at home with, in fellowship with, in agreement with the evil one. People in the world, they love it. I mean, why have so many... Why has there been such a proliferation in movies today of these words and phrases which a few years ago you'd have been thrown out of town for that? Why is there such a move today of the purient? You know what I mean by purient? Nasty, unacceptable, immoral. Why is there such a... a devastating flood of that thing coming into the church so that even members of the church, the age of these two Loria young men or the age of Lemoyne over here, that these are ages of your kids, Christy, or your kids, or your kids, that these little ones who will... Of course, Nathan isn't so little. He's about as big as I am or taller. But these little ones in the faith are living in a world that is now changing their opinions about what used to be obvious and clear commands of God. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Today, more and more believers, and the young people are, are indoctrinated with this from the very beginning, through their teachers and their peers. Same-sex marriage. 
it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's okay. This is becoming, these issues are permeating the church and they're breathing that air. They're eating that food. They are fellowshipping with those activities. Do we know this? And if the other men and women, especially the older ones, I don't mean someone my age, but someone, you know, your mama's age and, your, you know, others like that. If there isn't a generation to stand and say no and back it by the word and the authority of God himself. In a few more years, the church is going to be radically weakened more. Weakened. In its ability to be used by the Holy Spirit as a weapon of righteousness upon the earth. You believe that? Am I saying something that someone thinks I'm crazy this morning? If you do, you can raise your hand. I don't mind that. Don't raise your hand, Jean. Uh, <laughs> I, I can see her like this. Her hand is going up, but Linda's holding it down. No, Jean, don't. Yes, Linda, yeah, no, don't. There's a struggle over there. You don't see it, but I can feel it. <laughs> Only because my wife has not been feeling well did she not get a hand all the way up. <laughs> I am very worried. Very worried. That not only the adults, but then especially the youth are slowly being swallowed up by indoctrination of various sorts into believing the lie and making the truth more of an issue of relevance or opinion. Are you with me this morning? Is it okay for me to voice my view of these things? Why am I saying this? Because I believe this is, this is what the word of God is telling us. The whole world. How much? How much of it? Well, it can't be everything because there are a lot of good things in the world. There are all kinds of naturally good and wonderful things in this world. I grant you that. But the Holy Spirit is talking from the perspective of the person and character and purpose of God as opposed to the person, character, and purpose of the God of this world who will use anything and everything as good and wonderful and fun and pretty, et cetera, et cetera, and tasty and whatever to make, to allure and seduce the people of God into believing it's really not that bad. What can I tell you, Gordon? I'm sugarcoating it for Gordon. Tell us what you really think. You remember how we got to this place. Remember God created all the creation. And you remember there was one creature in heaven who was thrown out of heaven. You remember in Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why was he cast out? Look, I want, I say this, I, I think the Lord says this for this reason. 
I don't believe, and I know for me there is deficiency here, Susan. I know that. I don't believe we as believers have a clear enough and accurate comprehension and understanding of the nature of Satan. That's an issue. He was with God and the angels and worshiping God. He's in the very face of God himself. And what does 2 Peter 2, 4 said? God did not spare the angels when they sinned. What did he do? He rebelled against the Lord. He rebelled. And if he has the utter audacity to rebel against God himself directly, if he has that much hatred and opposition to God to rebel, Amanda, what does he have for us? We must see who he is. And what he has done before the very face of God Almighty himself, Carolyn. This is the one who rules the nations. This is the one with whom we have to do in any contention with sin. This is the one. And he's not in any way under any circumstance going to spare us of anything that would, in his mind and for his purpose, seek to destroy the revelation of the work of God's glory in us. He would go to any extent, whether, quote, good or bad, pretty or ugly, fun or horrible. doesn't matter to him. He has no limitations in this area. There are no boundaries to him other than the boundary that God sets to touch us up to a certain point. The word Satan is Hebrew. It comes from the word, the word adversary, one who opposes. And this opposition is just not a little, I don't agree with you. This is a virulent hatred, animosity, and complete rejection and rebellion of and against God. And so the Hebrew word for adversary is Satan, S-A-T-A-N. That's the word. So the word Satan is right out of the Hebrew. Right out of the Hebrew. So what happened when in Genesis 3-1? Now the serpent, remember the enemy, Satan, took came into a serpent, not a snake. It doesn't say snake. It says what? Serpent. Now, what the serpent was, we don't know. We know also, though, that that serpent became a snake because God cursed it. Do you remember the story? You saw the movie. Okay, I'm sorry. And now the serpent was what? Was what? Now, look, look, look at it. Adam and Eve, they are innocent. They have no sin. There's no reason nothing in this garden that would tempt them to sin in and of itself it's not like they had lewd pictures down the you know down the hall you someone's saying these nasty things nothing like that is existing in the garden of eden it's a place of absolute wonderful presence of god 
Now, they're not perfect, but they're innocent. Don't get the two misconstrued. And the serpent was more what? Slithery, crafty, deceitful, cunning, trickery than all the other beasts of the field. The question is, how did he get from the field into the garden is another question. God didn't put him in there. God put him in the field. That's why it says what? The field. And he says to the woman, what? Did God really say don't go there and do that? I mean, do you think so? Or was that just that radical preacher man? Did God really say you shouldn't read that book, Renee? Just ignore some of those words in that description of that lady. Just ignore it. It's okay. Oh, I know. We do want to keep up with culture to some extent. I understand that. But for instance, how many of you heard of the Honeymooners? Honeymooners was a hilarious comedy show of Ralph and Ed Norton and what's the name? Uh, Alice and Trixie. And you say that, well, there's nothing wrong in that. And you're laughing. It is. But watch it with discernment because there is a very subtle and strong and insidious message in it. How can it be? It's the honeymooners. (laughs) Come on. You're really straining, Beth. What is it? That husbands are oafs and that the wife is superior and can do it better than the husband. Now, whether the husband is an oaf or not, I don't know. Whether the wife can do it better than the husband, I do know. <laughs> you didn't think I'd say it that way, did you? <laughs> but here's what we do know, too. God made the husband the head of the house, and the wife is, he is to love his wife, and the wife is to respect him. Now, Alice does that, but there's still that underlying thing that many years ago of the underlying demasculinity of the man even then in the 50s. And today, we watch this stuff and we're not even aware it's there. And there are the messages and your children watch it and your daughters watch it hey, and your sons watch it and they're being taught by the most slick teacher in the world. Amen. Given the fact of who Satan is and what he did. And that now his deception was strong enough to cause Eve to look away from God, to look at the tree and Adam to follow. If these two fell for that deception, and you know what he said, look at the tree. It's good. It's tasty. It's, it's, do you hear that in all the things that we're told today? And when they ate, sin came into the world. Necessitating by the will of God, the coming of the Messiah.
to save his people from their sin. Amen. This morning, next week, we're going to talk about if the world lies in the lap of the evil one, how can you be saved? I mean, how, Mike, how can that be done if you're totally under his control and captured by him, which you were? Then how can anyone be saved? Well, next week, John's going to answer that. So here's what I ask. This week, as we leave here on TV land in here, let's not be unwise disciples. But let's walk as wise, circumspectly, as King James says it, very carefully, watching your step, discerning and asking for discernment from the Holy Spirit. And when he begins to say, don't, stop, slow down, don't tell him why it's okay, take a chance and obey God rather than your own thoughts. Oh, amen? Because God is the most radical, may I say it this way, narrow-minded being in all creation. He is minded toward his own purpose only. That's narrow. See you next week.